Welcome to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. Join Dr. Allison House of House Dental in Scottsdale and Sean Zayas, founder of Zana, a company helping dentists extend their care beyond the chair as they lead dentists deeper along the journey of authenticity to reach greater fulfillment in their professional lives and to deliver remarkable patient experiences. At the core of the authentic dentist is a belief that the answer to the current challenges in dentistry is dentists discovering that their greatest asset and point of differentiation is their personal brand, and that forming that brand out of their authentic selves is the best strategy for success in dentistry today. So today we're going to talk about a culture of excellence, and I know I'm excited, and I think you're probably excited for the same reason, because if there's anything that's just been the largest cause of frustration uh, or headache or just drama in my office, it's been when it has to do with just my team, when it has to do with something in the office where I'm not addressing something uh, or I've been avoiding it, or there's just some, some drama that's blown up. And I know that has been the single greatest cause of stress over the last 11 years in, you know, me doing business. So I, I don't know if it's, if it's similar for you. Oh, it's, it's totally true. So I have always wanted to have a culture of excellence, but I started my practice 19 years ago with just me and a team member. And it's just been a roller coaster with team and team is really the big foundation of your, your office and how the culture of your office is. And so having things that just spin out of control with team members just makes you crazy. I couldn't, you know, put it any better because, you know, whether I've been working with salespeople or whether I'm handling some of the office um, or, you know, our, the managers, you know, in our office or some of the creatives, like they're all different people and how to communicate with them, how to get them on the same page, how to make sure we have, again, this kind of cohesive culture where we're able to get things done. We're able to all enjoy being around each other. It, it just makes a difference. So I know one of the things we were talking about is for young dentists, maybe they're five years in practice, maybe they're 10 years in practice. What might be common that they don't necessarily even know maybe what to do about it or how to fix it. But like, I guess what could be some of the frustrations that they're encountering with their team? So in the first 10 years, the way I managed my team was probably not productive. So the assistant would forget to fill up the water or she wouldn't set things up correctly. And instead of mentioning it to her or giving her some instruction, I would just quietly see <laughs> until I would just be furious. And then I would call her in my office and I would list all the things that she was doing wrong. Well, you can imagine that's the worst feeling ever. It was demoralizing for her. I was upset. It was just such a poor way to handle it. And yet I feel like that's the way I've been taught in all the business books I'd read that you pull the person into your office and you tell them how it is. And I would say I was watching my dad coach. My dad is an Olympic weightlifting coach. Okay. And so about six years ago, I was watching him coach and I realized that he never waited till the end of the session. He didn't wait till the end of the week to give feedback. He gave people immediate feedback so they could change. And that's the way I run my office now as I coach people. And I think it's made a big difference. Well, it's interesting because the context of coaching, it would make sense if, like you said, Olympic weightlifting coach. Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. So you're, you know, the person that you're coaching is doing something wrong and they're at risk of 
I mean, depending on what lift they're doing, really injuring themselves or harming themselves, especially I can imagine if they're doing a deadlift or they're doing a clean and they don't have the right form or technique. You know, I don't want to say he's liable, but maybe he is liable if he doesn't say something because they could really harm themselves. Well, it's, it's more than that. First of all, yes, they could harm themselves. So you've got to teach them correct form. Mm. And my dad always says, the better your form is, the more you can lift. And that's true. And the other thing is, um, you don't want to get into a pattern of doing the lift incorrectly. And so when I translated all that to dentistry, it was easy to say that if I let this assistant for six months not fill up the water bottle, and then I pull her into my office and yell at her for not pulling up the, pouring up the water bottle, well, that's just insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I let her get into a habit and I didn't address it. She had no idea. And now it's going to be harder for her to change. Whereas if I had just said it the first day, we would have solved it. There wouldn't have been an issue. You know, so, I mean, implementing this, you see it with your, your dad and you realize like the light bulb turns on, like, wow, approaching it from a coaching perspective seems like it's going to be more life-giving. How was that actually trying to walk that out in your practice? Um, there were some verbal skills that I had to have. Because you still don't want to pull your uh, assistant aside and yell at them in the middle of the day, you know? Yeah. So I, I really started watching the way my dad was talking to people because he's this phenomenal coach. And he would say, first thing, I really like how you did this. And now I want you to try doing this. And so I would just start saying things like that. You know, um, the assistant was not suctioning properly. And I would say... So I appreciate that you're doing this, but next time I want you to try and put the suction here, or I want you to lay it on the cotton roll so you don't tear their skin up or, you know, it's just a next time I want you to try this. And the other thing I learned is that sometimes I had to be vulnerable and that gave them permission to ask me questions and it gave us permission to have a relationship. So, you know, sometimes things didn't go well and I'd pull the assistant aside and say, you know what? I messed up there. And I'm not going to do that again. And I want you to hold me accountable. And that worked. You know, they really really got on board. And And it it gives them some sort of safety or, or yeah, just feeling okay with being able to be honest about with you. Like, look, I'm not proud of the way maybe I handled that because now you're opening up the door because like you said, you're modeling that and that's what you're now expecting of them. So just, yeah, just create this this open lines of communication. So one of the things that I would say, um, I would use the word decay and then I would use the word cavity and the patient would kind of give me this quizzical look, but I'm just off on my little rant. And so I pulled the assistant aside and said, I didn't do a good job there. Can you help me hold me accountable? So then I go off on a rant again with the next patient and the assistant would step in and say, the cavity and decay are the same. (laughs) So (laughs) all of a sudden, the patient understands from a layman's standpoint, they've helped me. It, it just works. But I had to ask for that. They yeah. couldn't just jump in. They were comfortable jumping in until I said, help me. So this is like on the side of, okay, I, I, I'm starting to do coaching with my team and it's working great. Think back to, again, during the headlights, you didn't necessarily, you didn't have that epiphany moment of, oh, let me try a different approach. Like how bad was it at certain times? Like, Oh my God, I still have nightmares. <laughs> so I started my practice and there was one day when I walked in and I have a waiting room full of patients 
and there is no employee there. Not one. Not one. Okay, sorry. I'm looking at you like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, for real, no one's there but you and all these patients that need to be seen. Well, actually, they were standing outside the door because I had to unlock it. (laughs) And then they're sitting in my waiting room. No rooms are set up because my assistant was running an hour late. Wow. And that was the only employee I had at the time. And it was... It was just awful. So I never want to be in that situation again. That was just the worst. And it's funny because the assistant would tell me things like, you know, she's having car trouble and her family's having issues. And so my heart would just bleed for her. But the reality is that I was running a business and I couldn't pay her unless I made money. So I needed her to be on the same page with me. So there's this tension between, you know, no one's, no one's taught you this. You learned again, dentistry. You graduated. Now you're on your own starting and you're realizing you genuinely, you care about people. So you, you want to hire someone that you can care for. And part of this culture of excellence is, is caring. But if that's at odds with how do I draw, you know, firm expectations or just clarity of, of what you're needing, because it isn't just hangout time with a friend. I mean, this is a business you're running and did it not hurt the business when she showed up an hour late and your patients are stuck outside your practice? It was terrible. So I learned, first of all, that I didn't want to hire a helpless waif again. Okay. Somebody who was sad and dependent on me. I wanted to hire people that were strong and that really wanted to be here and be good at their jobs. So that was part of what I, I learned that I, I needed to hire people like that. And then I, I needed to have somebody that wanted to learn and I needed to teach. And that made a huge difference. And I also was willing to learn from them, you know, hire people with really great skills, but then learn from them too. You know, and I think that's a great uh, distinction you just made about people that want to learn. You know, I didn't realize how frustrating it was for me meeting with so many of my employees and we'd have a one-on-one conversation and I would, I'd be wanting to connect with them and wanting to find out, Hey, like, what are what, how do you see yourself in the next year? And I was probing and wanting to find out just to get on the same page so I could kind of support their growth outlook, their growth mindset, some sort of uh, area that they could maybe get developed in uh, at work. Maybe that's taking more responsibility for the inventory, something. And you don't know how many times I get met with just blank stares of like, well, you, you can lead me into something, you know? And it's like, oh no, I, I would love to lead them into something, but I wanted to know just what was their passion? Like, did, did they have a desire for learning? Did they want to be the best? And if, and if so, in what ways could I come alongside that and nurture that? But I didn't want someone that didn't care about learning. I didn't want someone that didn't care about excellence and, you know, bettering themselves. And, and one of the things I realized about school is like the real goal of school is to teach people to self-educate and to teach people to be able to have that empowerment of, Hey, I now consume this one curriculum and learned marketing, learned dentistry. Well, now I have the freedom to be able to construct my own curriculum whenever I want to, to learn what I want to learn. So in dentistry though, we have team members that don't have that level of education. You know, they have a, either they learned on the job or they have just a couple months education. So you're starting with people that don't have that love of learning sometimes Okay. and you have to create it. And once what is it? Tony Robbins always says, if you're not growing, you're not, you're not productive. You're not feeling good. I mean, part of the, 
the process of growing is the enjoying growing. It's not necessarily the end product. Right. The process. The process feels good. Yeah. And so when you start somebody on that path of growing, they feel good. They feel really good and empowered and they want to do more. But sometimes you have to start somebody on something and teach them, oh, it would feel good if I was growing. (laughs) So kind of just like painting the picture for them or... Like, I mean, I guess how, how have you done that? Cause again, I can think about these, these times when I'm in these meetings and I'm looking at them and I'm realizing in a similar way, a lot of the employees that I'm talking about, um, may not have even also had a four year degree because what we're asking them to do didn't require that. You know, I'm not talking about the higher level, um, you know, type people that I'm able to entrust with, you know, a lot more. So I think, I think there is that commonality, but I don't, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. So what, how, like, what steps did you take to, to start getting them to like learning? I mean, you just start teaching them from day one Okay. Um, and, and about dentistry. So I wanted them to be able to talk to my patients about dentistry. So I was constantly, can you see this on the x-ray? Can you, do you see what I'm doing here? We're writing notes together at the end of the day. This is why I did this. Do you remember seeing this? Well, suddenly they're, they're learning. And they can talk to people. And that feels really good to be able to talk with some knowledge to patients and to their friends. So it's so clear you have a passion for dentistry. I love my job. Like, I love it. Like it is so obvious. At what point though, do you see in an employee of yours that that passion isn't there? And does that, like, if, if that ever happens where it's like, okay, they've learned for two, three months in, is it difficult for you if you recognize they don't share that same passion? Because it's probably so easy for you to share it with your team. You know, you love dentistry. It's real. And you're, you're getting to, again, train them according to what's just authentic for you. Has, has there ever been a time in the last 19 years where you realized that a team member just didn't care? And if so, what did you do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's happened. I had, I have this one employee that I've hired and fired three times. Same employee. Wow. And I love her. We're still friends to this day. The first time I hired her was 18 years ago and she worked for me for a year and she is so clinically good. She knew how to talk to patients. She was great in the back. Ordering was perfect. I mean, she was wonderful, but she could not get along with other team members and she would just be so mean girl. Mm -hmm. She would say nasty things to them and she would be rude. And finally I got to the point where I just can't deal with this. I mean, she's just hurting the entire office and the morale, even though she's so clinically good. So I let her go. And it was trauma for both of us. Big trauma. Um, so about five years later, she calls me and we're chatting and she's like, I really would love to come back to work for you. I really liked it. And I'll be good this time. <laughs> sure. <Promise. laughs> okay. And she was, she was great for a year. She was great with other employees. And then she was, she went back downhill and I don't know if something happened in her personal life yeah. or that changed her. And I had to fire her again. Oh, wow. So I've hired her a third time, but I hire her in a very different capacity. She comes in and temps for me sometimes because she's clinically fabulous, but she just cannot get along with my team members. And if ever there's a problem with team members, I mean, she has to go. Well, that's quite killed me. I know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, why don't we dive in a little bit more to what coaching kind of looks like in this method? Because again, I, I can imagine, I know the first, even just five years of me 
dealing with employees, I didn't approach it that way. And one of probably my go-to strategies was avoidance <laughs> and uh, a great kind of... Uh, or you just do it yourself. Oh, that's true. That's true. That was one of my favorite strategies. I will just do it myself because I know better than everybody. Yeah. Which then you don't learn to entrust other people with you, you're not able to delegate. You're not able to, you know. Well, you're exhausted. Right. And your job is to do the dentistry. You want to be able to do the dentistry and not be exhausted because you were mopping the floor. Yeah. You know? So one of my business uh, inspirations is uh, this guy, Brendan. And one of the things he always says is avoidance is a great uh, short-term strategy for, I think, pain relief or something like that. But it's a great long-term strategy for like pretty much like misery. Like meaning like in the short term, it's great to avoid pain. But long term, it's terrible because it doesn't you never actually fix anything. So here I I am and, I, and I'm seeing issues, and I I think it's just like I wasn't empowered to know what to do when I saw issues. So I have a feeling there's probably lots of dentists, young and old, that probably are in the same place. You know, um, maybe they need to correct the course in their practice. Maybe they just need to address uh, a real toxin in the office. Well, it's funny because sometimes you don't know what it is that's making you miserable. So you're looking around and you know that this is not working, but you can't like put your finger on it. You know that this employee is clinically good. So that seems okay, but there's this negative underlying in the office and you don't realize that the, the team members are not getting along. <laughs> it's there's this negative underlying all the time. So you have to create this team culture. And one of the ways, I mean, We've learned all this now where you have a, a huddle before you start. Okay. And I think that's the expectations for the day. And it took me a long time to figure out what is that huddle supposed to look like? But it's, it's setting the expectations. You know, what is today going to look like? How are we going to make this flow right? Some people will do a huddle at the end of the day. I, for one, want to get out of here. So I'm not interested in having a huddle, but there are dentists that do that and it works for them. I also have a, a meeting twice a month where... We do something called habitudes. Okay. And which is totally out of the box, but it's it's some vulnerability about leadership. And we are, we're leading our team, we're leading our patients. And so we talk and I am vulnerable. So this is a meeting you're having with all of your staff? With all of my staff. Okay. I bring in lunch and it's twice a month. And we have a two hour meeting twice a month. Now some people do it more often. And if I could afford to, I probably would, but this is what works for me. Yeah. But you have to have those team meetings. What, what do you feel like that enables or contributes to the culture of excellence? Because I can imagine, again, it, it's a time when you're vulnerable. So that allows them to feel like they're able to, I don't know, be honest with you about issues that's going on. Like, does it give you a good pulse on, on how they're feeling? So it, it used to be okay. that we would have a team meeting and we would all come in here and bitch each other. <laughs> Yeah. So that wasn't, and it wasn't productive. At the end of the meeting, we all just felt terrible yeah. and we were angry with each other. Well, that wasn't good. So I found Habitudes and it's just a, a little book and I don't work for them. I'm not selling anything, Yeah. but it's a little book on leadership and you open it up and there's a little story. And then we would talk about whatever it was about the story. And one of the first one I, I remember was hosts and hostesses. And so we would talk about how we're this is our place and we're hosting. And then we would talk, we would read the questions and sort of answer them. But it's not a, you did this wrong. It's a, well, from here on out, I think we should try this because of based on what we've just read. There's lots of things you can do that way, but it can be this, 
here's what we're going to talk about. And it's not going to be that you did something wrong. It's in the future. Let's try this. That's great. So we're, this is what we're wanting to develop as a team. This is kind of what we're, yeah, like the direction we're heading in instead of just looking at areas that people aren't doing well. Because it's not fun. It's not fun to just sit there and look at your weaknesses. It's fun to say, hey, what if we created a strength here? And and that's fun. It's fun to set the course. So I hear you talking about, again, how to use this coaching habit. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I see something wrong with my office manager. And let's say it happens today. And all I've done in the past is I don't, I don't say anything. So maybe what you described the silent seating and I go home and I tell my loved one about it and I vent and now I feel better to go back in the day tomorrow. But how do, what do I do in the future when something like that happens? Cause I really don't know what to do. Like what, what would you say to that dentist? That's just struggling. Well, it depends on what, what's happening. Um, some things the employee's got to go. That's the end of it. You can't talk to a patient like that. You can't treat members to your team like that. You're gone. But some things are, are just a little tweaking. Like um, my front desk person was texting back and forth and it's in weave. And I just happened to be looking at it. And I didn't like the way she was texting. And she thought she was just being very firm. Mm. But the language she was using seemed... To a patient. To a patient. Okay. The language she was using seemed really strong. Like and abrupt not and rude, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But she didn't realize it. Right. So I went up and, and wrote her a couple of scripts on... You know, when a patient says they're going to cancel or they're going to be 30 minutes late to an hour long appointment. But how did you even bring that up? So you, you saw that instead of saying, oh my gosh, you know, Amanda or whoever, hypothetical, like, no, that that's terrible. Like, how did you even approach that in a way that, meaning if I don't even view that I have the confidence that I can start a conversation that's, I feel like is like the base of it is some, some sort of criticism. Something that I'm wanting to bring up. That doesn't mean just even that coaching mindset. You already have it, but I'm, I'm trying to um, get you to see. I don't even know how to have that conversation. So the conversation is not, I don't like the way you're talking to people. Mm-hmm. It's giving her skills so that she can grow. So instead of coming up and saying, oh, I really don't like this. I wrote a bunch of scripts and I said, so when somebody says they're going to be 30 minutes late, here's what I'm thinking we should say. And then. I gave her the script and then I had her talk to me about what, if she was going to be able to say that. Okay. And sometimes she would change it into even better. It was there, but it wasn't at the forefront. And then I would ask her, you know, well, how do you, how would you handle it? If you were going to be 30 minutes to your doctor's appointment, what do you want them to say to you? And so it's not this negative. It's how do we construct what we want to say? Is there resources? Can we create something? And it even sounds like your approach is like, honoring her and her ability to like contribute, to try to create something together. It wasn't just like a, again, this is what you did wrong. This is how you should do it. You know, and I'm going to monitor it like in some non-life giving way, you know, you, it was a co-creative process where it sounds like it was like, Hey, how can we make this better? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How can we make the patient feel empowered and still set the boundaries in our office? And it doesn't have to be the way she was doing it, but we could create this together. So that's a lot of it. Um, other things I do is when something breaks down at the end of the day with, um, like walking a patient out and then patient didn't get called and we didn't get the referral done. Okay. Then I, I talk to the, I hold the employee side and we start talking about, well, I feel like this system is breaking down. 
So what do you think we can do to make the system work? That is gold. It works because suddenly it's not about them because it isn't. It's really about the system. And every year, realize technology changes. I change. Boys grow. So the system has to be revamped. So this system is no longer working. What should we do? Uh, so th- I'm just saying that's amazing because a lot of people might feel like me where it's easy to see when, I don't know, some system or some protocol isn't followed to the T. And all of a sudden it's like, well, why isn't that person being called? Why, why isn't this happening? And my, it, it's so hard for me not to see like just black and white. So it's like, well, they need to be accountable because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And here I feel like you're not making it about the person you're making it about, well, like if, if this is something that you're starting to consistently notice, something must be wrong about the process. And even if it's not just even saying, Hey, how can we look at, because if they turn around and say, look, the process isn't wrong, I can really step up my game. Well, now they're owning it, right? They're owning it. But you're not saying I'm wanting to hold you accountable. I don't know. It's this, I feel like it's just this beautiful strength to lead in such a way that again, you're not trying to (laughs) crush your team or catch them when they're doing mistake, but finding a way to together invite them into creating a solution for something that seems like is off. It's not even catching them with a mistake. It's okay. This, this referral didn't get called. What's the breakdown? What do we need to change? Oh, we text people now. Okay. Well, let's, let's try this. And then sometimes things don't work and we just have to acknowledge that you have to give room for people to fail too. That, oh, we tried the system. That didn't work. <laughs> what do we try now? And so you keep growing and changing. And once an employee feels like they're part of it, yeah, I think they're on board. Like, oh, let's do this instead. You know, this is really awesome to be talking about. Um, you know, for our listeners, we're going over just a culture of excellence. And it's something that I believe we're probably going to do kind of a little mini series on. So I know even the next episode we want to talk about firing and when to know you should fire someone, maybe what some of the red flags are, what some of the the cautions are. And we're really excited to get into that topic, but there's just so much to unpack in this whole area of just, again, creating a culture of excellence. So you can do what you love to do, which is dentistry, but also caring for your team and knowing that you can practice in such a way that you're having life they're having life, they're growing, they're feeling like they're needed and the contributions that they're making matters. They can be proud of them. And it's just this great win, win, win for everybody. The patient wins because you guys are all together and in loving dentistry, loving taking care of patients instead of having nightmares at night because everyone's just on each other's back. You know, no one's doing what they're told. You know, patients are falling through the cracks because systems are breaking down and you don't know how to address any of it, which, which I guess is probably like worst case scenario is this unraveling of everything you've come to build or you're trying to build if you're a young dentist and you just don't know what to do. This has been trial by fire for me. I mean, I have, I feel like I've made so many mistakes, so many expensive mistakes. But yeah, I've, I've worked on this and worked on this. And so I feel like I'm, I'm at a point where I like my coaching habit and that's working for me in my office, but that doesn't mean in 10 years, I want to learn something new. <laughs> so it's, it's a process of growing. So if you're, you're in a position where you're, you're still seething and calling somebody at the end of the day, it's a process. You just keep working at it. So we'd love to hear from you guys. 
just what some of your struggles might be, some of your challenges when it comes to creating the culture of excellence that you care about. And we're excited to have been able to share just, you know, foundationally an approach that we think is really great, which is just this coaching mindset. And hopefully you could hear how much it's helped Allison and her journey. And again, we're just excited to have you guys along for this journey of ours. And as, you know, Dr. House is mentioning, as we continue to, you know, discover better practices and everything like that, we're going to share them with you. And if you have those, let us know. We'd love to hear what's working for you. Thank you for listening to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. To join Allison and Sean on this journey, hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Here's to your success. Express yourself fully. Live authentic. Live authentic.